Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. America has always been known for an extraordinary workforce and for a strong work ethic. But have we lost our connection to work? And what are the ramifications if America has become disconnected from the benefits of work? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We always talk about work ethic. We talk about the value of work. We talk about work being a spiritual necessity, even when it's no longer a physical necessity. Scott Winship is the senior fellow and director of poverty studies for the American Enterprise Institute, our friends over at AEI. And he joins us on the line today for a really fascinating study coming out of the Joint Economic Committee, uh, the Social Capital Project, Reconnecting Americans to the Benefits of Work. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Boyd. So as, as you've looked at this, and, and obviously there's all kinds of conflicting messages coming out. We talk about the big uh, the big quit in uh, in August, the number of people who left the workforce. We have people who have just given up uh, finding work, and and some of those who are trapped in government programs where there's not a lot of incentive uh, to get into the workforce. It would actually cost them some benefits. So as you looked at this, as you did a, a deep dive, as you always do, uh, what were some of the things that you found in this particular report? Sure. Well, so I should say um, this report was started uh, well before we had a coronavirus pandemic and right. we were uh, really interested in, in longer term uh, questions about um, why it was that fewer and fewer men and women uh, were working or looking for work. So in 1955, you know, 97% of prime working age men were either employed or they were looking for work. That's about 88% today. Mm. Um, it was about 89% on the eve of the pandemic, so this is not uh, just a problem about um, the policies we passed the last uh, 18 months. Um, but, but certainly the last 18 months, I think, have reinforced the big conclusion of our report, which is that uh, most of this decline over time has, has been due to uh, fewer um, people uh, being interested in working at, uh, at given wages. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because of potentially safety net benefits, potentially because of government regulations. But it doesn't look like it's it's mostly – obviously, during the last 18 months, there's been a safety uh, element and a public health element for sure. Um, but over the longer run, it really does look like um, you know we've got sort of bad policies that are driving driving this. Yeah, and I, I think that's the important thing to get to because uh, – and I'm glad you differentiated between what we've experienced over the last 18 months uh, during the course of the pandemic. Of course, some of that has been – uh, a natural byproduct of that, but really looking at it the long term, in terms of those policies, what is it that seems to be either causing people to just voluntarily stay out uh, or uh, just uh, never really engage? Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting mix of things. I think some of which you know we shouldn't necessarily be all that concerned about. Um, 
you know, economists. I think it was uh, the, the famous economist Keynes, you know, back early in the 20th century predicted that that uh, at some point, you know, we would have a much, much shorter work week than we do because we would be so affluent that people wouldn't need to work as much. And to some extent, I think that that's happened. There are, there are more people who are out of the workforce because they're taking care uh, either of kids or of uh, sort of elderly parents, things like that. Um, there are more who are going to school, whether you know, that's undergrads for younger adults or, or, uh, or graduate school for older adults. Um, retirement uh, happens earlier than it used to, um, which is a, a happy uh, fact of affluence. Um, so for a number of reasons, we, we wouldn't worry about any of those things. Right. On the other hand, um, the, the number of people who report being disabled, for instance, um, has gone up a lot. And the number of people getting disability payments has gone up a lot, even though you know just about all of the health trends are kind of in the same positive direction. Um, and, you know, our safety net programs for uh, for mostly for single parents um, have also historically tended to penalize work. Uh, penalized marriage, things like that. Um, it's only kind of in the last couple of decades that we've started shifting uh, the safety nets that better promotes work. Yeah, and that's where I want to dig into that just a, a little bit. Uh, you, you talk about those programs, and, and of course, government has a role to play. I think everybody agrees with that. Uh, but so often there there is kind of that trapping element uh, that prevents upward mobility. Uh, dig into that just a little bit for us in terms of where where are we getting it wrong from a policy standpoint uh, that actually causes people to, in many cases, make a rational decision of, hey, I'm going to lose. This is going to hurt my family or my children uh, if I take this mm-hmm. job or if I reenter the workforce. Uh, tell us a little bit what you found there. Yeah, so the, I, I think there's kind of two big groups to think about. Um, the, the first of those would be uh, kind of prime age working men, the, the the people that we're sort of focused more on in this report. And and for those guys, you know, they don't get a lot of different kinds of government benefits. Um, you know, for for decades, the, the main anti poverty program we had was aid to families with dependent children, um, which mostly went uh, to, to single moms, uh, some single dads for sure. Um, but not sort of, you know, men who at age 50 kind of find themselves out of work um, other than unemployment benefits, which are relatively short term. Um, there's, not, there's not a ton of safety net benefits available to them except for disability benefits. And we've seen the number of men receiving those increase um, quite a bit over time. Um, that corresponds with kind of a loosening of policy in terms of who qualifies uh, for disability benefits. Um, and over time, it's just gotten easier and easier with it for someone who has persistence to, uh, to convince um, the, the folks who make these uh, decisions um, that, they are, that they qualify for disability payments. And then once you're receiving those payments, there's absolutely no incentive to, to take a job ever again. Right. A, lot of, a lot of these guys uh, you know, stay on disability until um, they turn 65 and then they start getting Social Security retirement benefits. Mm. Um, the other group is is single parents, um, you know, disproportionately single single moms um, who uh, have generally received uh, monthly cash benefits and non-cash benefits, which go away uh, when you earn more money. And so uh, there's been you know, direct incentives not to become independent at that point. Um, or to get married, um, because then your income goes up and you and you lose benefits. That started to change in the mid 1990s um, when we did reform the federal welfare program. Um, 
But that was just one cash benefit program, and, and, and much of our safety net today still has those uh, those work disincentives. Um, in fact, President Biden uh, and, and congressional Democrats, you know, have sort of worsened this problem by uh, expanding the child tax credit uh, uh, this year as well, which uh, is a more controversial policy because it also goes to, goes to working families as well. Right. Uh, fascinating stuff. Scott Winship's the senior fellow and director of poverty studies for the American Enterprise Institute. Scott, always appreciate you joining us on the program. And to me, the thing that comes back to, and this was really the, the crux of the report, the final uh, paragraph says, ultimately, the costs of disconnection are far too high. Work instills self-respect, offers a chance to thrive through personal achievements, and is an opportunity to deepen community ties. So it's a personal thing. It's a spirit, not just a uh, financial thing, but it also deepens community ties, which is also critical to thriving, to upward mobility, uh, and for making the right things happen. Lots to think about. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.